Do we feel better or worse about the Celtics as they head into the last game of their homestand? I'm going to talk about it with Tom Westerholm on this Friday Locked On Celtics. Millie, let's go. Rainy Jays back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This is the truth like 34. It's like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily. Mainly podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, that's the best way. Melly. Hey there, welcome back to the Locked On Celtics podcast. Thank you for making this show part of your daily routine. Whatever it is that you're doing right now, thank you for including me in this podcast. I I know it's a lot to change your daily routine, and the fact that you've made this show part of it, I'm very, very appreciative. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Boston Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. You can subscribe right now with the promo code Corrales, and you'll get $5 off an annual subscription. Also... I have written the book called The Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. I think it's a fun historical look at the team as I pick the all-time All-Star team and 12 guys. So uh, buy that wherever you buy books online. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. So the Celtics on Friday night are going to be taking on the Minnesota Timberwolves. I'm hoping that it's a win. It should be a win. And if it is a win, the Celtics will go 4-3 and three on this homestand. And that is the bare minimum for me for a successful homestand. Not great, but considering where they were, where they started, and where they are, where, where they ended, could be pretty good. So, do we feel better or worse? I brought in my old co-worker and the host of the Geno Time podcast, Tom Westerholm, to answer that question. All right, Tom Westerholm, I brought you on because you are, are one of the most negative people that I know. <laughs> I, and people don't know this. You were taking a drink as, as I was saying that, so I wanted to get that in there to see if I can get you to do a spit take. Uh, but you on Geno Time, you guys have kind of, you've kind of swerved down that like, I don't want to say all negativity, but you've, you've definitely been on the... On, on that side of things, like, and I'm a, a good counterweight to me going like, no, I think they can still figure it out. Like, <laughs> you know, fire and ice, so to speak. That's, so, that's, uh, not enough people are calling us that. I think we need to, I think we need to get that going. I think, I think because that's I think, a, I think when we do crossover episodes, they need to be fire and ice episodes. They should be. And, you know, yeah. since that's a very new thing that no one has ever said in the yeah. Celtic sphere <laughs> that that's us copyright it, print it. We're good. Um, Make the t-shirts. <laughs> uh, so the Celtics are, if they beat Minnesota, they're three and three on this homestand. And and now I've called it a critical homestand. And four and three was the absolute bare minimum where I could say it's still somewhat of success if certain things happened. Personally, I think some of those things have happened. The ball movement, we've seen some from Rob. We've got Tristan Thompson back. They got bench help. So I'm not like, yay, things are fixed because they've got to go out and do like a Denver-Portland Lakers juggernaut here. Uh, 
that that's going to be rough. But I don't know. Are, are you feeling any better about things considering how this homestand has gone? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess where I kind of come down on it now is it, it's twofold, right? Like, like, you know, negative is a fair way to describe how we've been, especially <laughs> on the, on the, the Geno time pod. But like, I mean, you know, I, I think, I, I think where I kind of come down on it is that I do not see this team as a contender anymore. Um, in, in which, and I don't, and I don't think it's fair to evaluate them as a contender. It's, you know, what kind of what I was saying on the pod, like, I just, I think that's an unfair way to, um, to sort of pigeonhole them because I, they're just not as good as the Bucks. They're not as good as the Sixers. They're not as good as the Nets. And like, you know, that, that's just kind of there is their identity this season. And I, you know, I think there's plenty of room for growth because I think, I think very highly of Jalen and Jason. And I think that I honestly think that like Fournier helps quite a bit. And I think, you know, Marcus Smart is obviously like, you know, I think he's had some, some tough moments this season, but I still definitely think that he's a good basketball player. So I think all of those things are true. I don't, I'm not like, I'm not saying that this team needs to like be, you know, like blown into the stratosphere or something. But what I, what I do think is that what the Celtics can do. And one of the reasons why I was encouraged by the win over the Knicks on, uh, on, I don't know what that was Wednesday at this point. Um, the win over the Knicks on Wednesday is that it showed that they are, they are still able to beat some of the teams that I think are sort of in their tier, right? Like they, they were able to beat the Knicks and they beat Charlotte, which is obviously like Charlotte's super shorthanded and Charlotte's going to fall off really hard. I actually think there's some space for the Celtics to really carve out themselves the four seed and not just be like, oh, like, you know, they, they inch their way into the four seed. I think they could maybe put a little bit of distance between themselves and the rest of the field. And I think that's kind of a realistic goal going forward. And, and again, I don't think that they're going to contend. I don't think that I, I don't think this team has like an Eastern Conference finals run in it. But if they can win a first round series against the five seed, whoever that might be, and if they can, you know, play one of the contenders to six games, and if they can build like a little bit of like good feeling for themselves going forward, I think there's some positive things that could still happen this season. Um, and, you know, that could kind of build into next year when guys are healthy, when Jason Tatum's lungs are working again, when like all of this stuff that like really plagues them this season, you know, like starts to kind of fall away maybe a little bit. So you know, I guess when I describe myself as like negative, it's like I'm negative on their chances this season. I don't think they're a contender this year, um, but I do think that there are things they can do this year that could bleed into next year that are very beneficial. Um, and, and if they're going to start winning some games um, and if they're not going to tank for Cade Cunningham, then I think that what they should, <laughs> then I think that getting the, uh, you know, carving out a little space, getting that four seed, um, giving themselves a chance to win a playoff series would be some really positive momentum. Yeah, and, and like I, I think it, actually at this point, tanking is out of the question, and and Ooh. not just because, not for a variety of reasons. I'll I'll say this first and foremost, there's just no way. And people have asked me this. I do Q and A's every week on Boston Sports Journal. It's it's come up. There's no way after all of these guys got COVID that you can look at them in the eyes and go, yeah, thanks for all of that. Now we're gonna tank. You've, we've asked you to work your asses <laughs> yeah. off yeah. to this point, and now we're going to start losing on purpose. Because I tell you what, if I was Marcus Smart and those things happened after my name came up in rumors, I'd be like, you know what? No, trade me. Get yeah. if, if you're telling me that after everything that we've gone through and after all the shit that we've taken from the media and after all of that, you're going to turn around and be like, yeah, we're going to shut down Jalen and Jason. We're going to play the young guys and we're going to start losing games. Then, you know what? Cut me, trade me, get me the hell out of here because that 
That's loser mentality. And so for that alone, you can't tank. But beyond that, like just on a, a factual basis, they're 26 yeah. and 26, and Toronto is 20 and 31. And five and a half games separate them from Toronto, or actually three and a half games separate them from Chicago. And you have to you have to give up four games in the standings over uh, what 20 21 games or 20 games at this point, right? There are 52 games, so there's 20 games left in the season. So you're really gonna have to seriously try to tank very very hard because I mean Toronto, they're these. It's it's just not. My point is, it's not going to work. <laughs> yes, for uh, sure. So <laughs> when anyway. I talk when I talk about tanking for Cade, I am kidding. <laughs> I know you are. I know you are. Yeah. I know you are. But yeah. <laughs> I know that other people are going to be like, "Hey, you know, that's not a bad idea." There's still time. There's no time. Cade Cunningham would really help the team. <laughs> and, and yes, he would. <laughs> um, but I don't know, man. Like I, I, I feel like if we really rewind. And go back to the beginning of the season and look at where our expectations were. I always said Brooklyn, Philly, Milwaukee are their own tier, and Boston might be in a tier of its own underneath those. It might be able to force themselves into that tier, but they're most likely a tier below that. And then I thought everyone else was going to be in a tier below the Celtics. So the Celtics have had issues that dropped them a little bit. But honestly, when you saw that the 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 Sixers, I thought the Sixers just getting Doc and and getting um you know just rearranging everything, getting Daryl Morey. Yeah. yeah. So you get Morey, you get Doc, you 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 get the shooters, you build a team that makes sense. The the stability of that, I've said it a million times. That, that, I thought, really improved the Sixers, and that to pr- proved to be true. Brooklyn, I didn't even expect them to get James Harden, but they didn't even need, need James Harden. They were That was working. Now it's just over the top. Um, and I still, I still believe in Milwaukee that they don't have the exact same talent, but I feel like, first of all, Giannis is just so crazy that – and and he works well with Holiday and the things that they've been trying all season. I just have this this feeling that Milwaukee can make more noise than people are going to give them credit for. Anyway, so maybe maybe part of my optimism has always been rooted in. Well, I never expected the Celtics to be a top three seed. You know, sure. I always thought that coming into it that we should be expecting around the four seed for this team, and they can still get the fourth seed because they're only. Uh, they've got Charlotte is at 26 and 24. The Celtics are 26 and 26. So they're, they're tied in the win column and they're, they're right there. Now, let me add my positivity. They got Fournier, which helps. They've got guys coming back. Fournier is going to come off that COVID hopefully soon. Um, or, or soon enough where he can kind of get back into things. Tristan is back. Guys are back. We've seen Robert Williams take steps forward. I think we're finally getting some clarity. We've seen ball movement in this homestand. We've seen toughness in this homestand. The Knicks win is the most encouraging win to me because they actually got their asses kicked and got punched in the mouth and responded. And so... 
immediately too. Like they got hit with that 22 to three and then they went on an eight, nothing run. That's huge. Big time. You know, yeah. that, that run in the fourth quarter, they, you know, you call a timeout the, and, and you come out and, and miss a shot and get a questionable foul. And now it's, that was the exact type of scenario where yeah. Brett, Brad calls a timeout, you come out and still can't score, and then the refs get in your heads, and then everything goes down the shitter. But no, they responded. Marcus Smart threw that turnover, settled everybody down. It's like, don't hang your heads. It's on me. They responded. Like, granted, yeah, the Knicks, the Knicks are a good team. They're a tough team, but they're still, you know, a borderline 500 team, just like Boston, just like everybody else. But still, they're a tough team, and that was a tough win. I I still think they can win that first-round series. And you know what? If they face Philly in the second round, Philly would be favored, but would you be shocked if Boston won that won that series? You would be shocked? I wouldn't I would be, be shocked. <laughs> I, think, I, think the Celtics, I think the Celtics have a, a first-round win in them, a second-round win, Maybe mild upset, depending on the matchup, and potentially another conference finals loss. In them. Stick around for more with me and Tom in just a minute. Grab a Built Bar while you're waiting for the ads to run because Built Bar is the most delicious protein bar. It's great for a snack. It tastes like a candy bar. It like is basically a healthy candy bar. This thing is in uh, 18 delicious flavors. It comes in nuts and no nuts. It comes in all sorts of different varieties, soft and easy to chew. They are fantastic. I have one literally every day. They are great, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. If you're on a keto diet, these work. They are approved for a keto diet. My favorite one, peanut butter, 19 grams of protein and 180 calories with just five grams of sugar, five net carbs. But you don't have to get that one. They have other flavors like cookies and cream, coconut almond. They just did a whole bracket with all of their flavors. Check them out for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and check out which flavors you might want to try. You can also get a variety box. Every time you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. doesn't matter how many times you use it. Use it as often as you'd like. LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Be sure to follow our social channels, LO Celtics on Twitter and Locked On Celtics on Instagram. All sorts of sports going on right now, Masters, baseball, hockey, and it's all going to be covered on the Locked On Today podcast. The biggest news, the biggest headlines from all the major sports in less than 20 minutes with Peter Burkowski and our local experts. So follow Locked On Today on the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcast. Now let's continue the conversation with me and Tom Westerholm of Boston.com. So I, I guess I just don't like their matchups against any of those three big teams right now. I mean, I mean, maybe Milwaukee the best, because at least we've seen them beat Milwaukee once. I just think that they just have so like less than nothing for Embiid. Like they have nothing for him. 
Like the, the, I'm like they're they're terrible at double teaming. You you asked Brad about that like what I think like two nights ago, and it was such a good point by you that they can't double. They're terrible at it. Right. Their rotations are awful. Their best option for Joel Embiid is Taco Fall. It's not Tristan Thompson. <laughs> Tristan Thompson gets worked this year. And Thompson's done well against Embiid in the past, but Embiid is a different guy this year. Yep. And they have like, and Thompson is too short. Rob Williams is too short and too foully and too like, you know, too skinny. And like literally the only, I mean, and Taco is like the only guy on the team that Embiid can't just bully. So he has to settle for some of those jumpers and he makes some of them because he's really good. I just don't, I just don't see it with them with, with Philly right now. And you know, there are guys out there um, that are better and be defenders. And I think that it might, you know, <laughs> it might be worth taking a look at in the off season. But um, I, I, this season, I, I would be really stunned if, if, if they could take down Philly. That said, I do think that like, to your point, there have been some, some kind of encouraging signs since the trade deadline. And there've been some bad ones too. Like they've reverted, to, they've had some, they've had some, you know, bad moments, some bad stretches for sure. But I think that like, the combination of, um, well, I mean, initially it just seemed like, you know, kind of they got like shaken awake a little bit like, oh, wow, Daniel Tice is gone. Like that was like a big part of our team. Maybe we should get our act together or whatever it was. Sure. And then, um, you know, the, the, the fact that like Fournier really is going to help. <laughs> like he's, yeah, right. he's a good player. Like he helps a lot. Um, and when, like whenever he's whenever he's available again, hopefully, um, you know, obviously we hope that he's that he's healthy and, and, uh, and that he's able to come back strong. But just like. Like generally, I, I think there are some some really positive signs, you know, kind of going forward here. I, I I think that, and I think that Nick's win kind of exemplifies that. Is like they've been playing a little bit differently since the break, and and that I mean that that's a positive because the way they were playing before was terrible, and that was what spurred Dino you know, Times negativity and made us <laughs> like be like, well, this team sucks, and I'm I'm tired of them. So yeah, yeah. no, and look, I don't blame people for for the negativity, um, and as like everybody knows, I I, I definitely. I definitely skew positive. I, I I am definitely a much more glass half full kind of guy. I'd like to think that it's rooted in some reality. Like I'm not yeah. I'm not unreasonable with my positivity. I just say that I, I just bring up the possibilities. Like I still think that certain things are positive. Now again, well I, let me ask you then because I'm genuinely curious. Like how do you see them beating Philly? Because I just I, okay. like, I don't see the matchup working. So so here's the thing about Philly that I still think that Embiid is guardable in the sense that I think the Celtics with practice time in a series with the ability to make adjustments with no travel with theoretically a full roster can yeah. come up with a plan. To like one thing that they tried to do and they did like a little bit effectively was a late double with uh, on Embiid where they they let Embiid kind of size up the matchup and as they tried to almost anticipate him putting the ball on the floor and instead of digging a couple times yeah Yeah. so in in the playoffs last year they anytime he put the ball on the floor. The, the guard on that side would dig and just try to make it uncomfortable. In this game, and I think this might be the precursor, is they they just tried to, like, guess. And as soon as he they thought he'd put the ball on the floor, they they pounced. Now, yeah. they misread it a couple of times, and, and it worked 
it worked once that I remember. And I know there's at least once or twice that it didn't. And, yeah. and he passed out of it. If they can figure out, and Brad, when I asked him about the double teams, was saying, like, we're going to have to figure out exactly where it's going to come from. Because you can't double the same way every time. No, you can't defend a player like Embiid the same way every time. Like, sometimes they're going to have to double from from the weak side. They're going to have to wait until he makes his move and force him, you know, try to force him baseline with somebody on the weak side coming over to try and, and meet him there. Sometimes you're just going to have to guard him straight up. Sometimes they're going to have to front him. And, and like all of these different things. But I still think that it's possible to be a little bit more physical with him, throw these unique kind of different defenses at him that don't screw up the double teams to a point where you're leaving Seth freaking Curry and Danny Green wide open. Don't do that. And I think, <laughs> I think they, can, they can do all right. And, and I, I still, like, I see Embiid as a different player this year, but I still see he's going to have to prove to me that when the playoffs come around and he plays bigger minutes, that he's not going to settle for jumpers in the fourth quarter and face-up shots. And you know what? He did in this game as well. Yeah, now, I'll, I'll he dismiss did. it because he he's coming off of the injury, but he scored all those points because the Celtics fouled a shit ton. And yeah. he didn't dominate the game the way Embiid generally dominates games. So that's, that's where I have hope. Against against the Sixers, stay home on the shooters, defend Embiid with some creativity there, and I think I think they can do it because they I've seen it happen before. Okay, okay, yeah, no, and I mean I, I would agree with you that I always think that your positivity is rooted in some kind of like um, you know like some kind of like reason for it. Um, I did not see it with Philly, but like I, I can respect that. That's a <laughs> I think that's a reasonable take. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> as long as as long as there's reason behind it. Um, this is also incidentally, this is, this is like, this is the difference between the, like the positivity and the negativity is that like, you look at it and you're like, like, oh, well, you know, I mean, like they haven't done it yet, but like, I've seen like little bits and pieces here and I'm just like, no, yeah. this is- <laughs> they haven't done a damn thing. They'll never do it. Like, no, they've got 30 piece every time. Like, yeah, like <laughs> this is, this is very much a, you know, you're, you're, you're seeing the the baby steps and we need them to walk and and they're they're kind of like so it is very much like you i mean you've got a kid that time like oh my god is this gonna be where he takes his first steps and it's like falls flat on his face like nope (laughs) that's not gonna be it and i see like the that wobbly appropriately my uh, appropriately my son's first steps were in an airport (laughs) (laughs) yes that makes a lot of sense Uh, (laughs) Back to wrap up the show with Tom Westerholm. We'll get into Jalen Brown's comments about the media. Uh, interesting conversation coming up next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. NHL, baseball, sports around the world. You can bet on just about all of them on Bet Online. They even cover award shows, TV shows, reality TV. They've got updated odds, props on just about anything that you can imagine. So go to betonline.ag, use the promo code LOCKEDON, sign up today for free. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Whatever that number is, $100, it's $50 welcome bonus. 50% off, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit 
at Bet Online. They've got you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Use that promo code Locked On at Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts. Please gamble responsibly. Make sure you're subscribed to Locked On Celtics wherever you get podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Now that March Madness is done, it's time to see how these prospects stack up. And that's why you need the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. They've got scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, full coverage of everything you need to know about the upcoming draft four days a week with credentialed draft experts. Follow Locked On NBA Draft on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, wrapping up the conversation with Tom Westerholm of Boston.com. Now, let me ask you this, because this is um, this is something that Jalen Brown brought up and I found fascinating, and I wish I could have followed up. Um, the, whole, the whole thing about the media and his conversation with, with Jason Tatum, and it was funny, because just so people know, and, and the, if you can go on YouTube and find the interviews, Jalen Brown was like, "Hey, look, we're you know, there's there's pressure from the media, and when, and I talked to Jason Tatum, and you know, we we decided we're just gonna go out and be ourselves, and we're gonna pull this other stuff aside, and we're gonna we're just you know, it was almost like an inspirational type of speech. And then we asked Jason Tatum, and he was like, "Oh yeah, we just it was whatever. The noise is gonna be there, like whatever." So Tatum is a very unbothered kind of guy. Like he doesn't yes. give a, he doesn't <laughs> care at all. Jalen Brown is a thoughtful guy. And like I think, and I don't want to say this in in a way, way that sounds negative, but he is sensitive to things. Not that he's soft or anything like that, but he he hears things and and he's sensitive to it. So I thought that it was interesting, and I just I just wanted to get your kind of read on what you thought from Jalen Brown saying that. I I thought it was yeah I agree with you. I thought that was a fascinating dynamic between those two. Like because we because like you said, I mean Jalen went so as far as to say like yeah I think it I think it had some impact on the game tonight. And and Tatum acted like oh yeah like it was a real brief conversation. Like he was almost surprised um, by it. Like that he it came was out. yeah I, I thought so too. My read on it honestly was like I think about it in terms of like if okay like like you and I obviously like worked together for years and years. If I if like we had like a couple of like like a couple of bad days. It, and I approached him. You know, I was like, "Hey, let's you know, let, let's have a really good day today. Let's let's do this thing. Let's like you know, let's have like let's pump out some good content." Yep. Um, and like, you know, if somebody asked me about that later, I think my reaction would be like, "Because it's not always easy. Like we're all adults, right? Like we're grown men, and it's like it's not always easy to kind of approach somebody and be like, "Hey, I know we had like a bad couple of days. Like let's shake this off. Let's kind of get you know." That's yep. not necessarily an easy conversation to have, but it also probably isn't a long one. So like. I wouldn't be surprised if Jalen, you know, talked, you know, kind of approached Tatum and especially this season when everything is so fraught, you know, I, I wonder if he kind of approached him and then this is all guesswork, obviously. Um, but like, I wonder if he kind of approached him and said like, Hey, like, let's, you know, let's, let's put this behind us. Let's do this thing. Like, we, you know, we can do this. I got you, you got me, you know, we can, we can do this. Let's block out the noise. And Tatum kind of went like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. And like, you know, maybe Jalen kind of looked at that and was like, Hey, like, like, you know, it, that took some, you know, that, <laughs> that like not guts, but you know what I'm trying to say, right? No, like right. it took some totally. sort of like, like, like you got to kind of rally yourself to have those kind of uncomfortable conversations with someone. And I, you know, maybe that was something where, you know, Jalen kind of felt that way. And, and Tatum was kind of like, yeah, you know, like we talked, yeah, it was good. Like, you know, I appreciated Jalen kind of, you know, where it wasn't as big a deal for him as right. it was for Jalen. Maybe 
I don't know. Um, that's just kind of my, you know, I, I don't know, I guess guess. Yeah. Uh, but, but if I were, I guess in terms of my read on it, that's what I, that's kind of that where I sense. would lean is, is that, is that it felt like it may be a bigger deal for Jalen, but it actually was kind of a big deal for Jalen. Cause he had to kind of put himself out there to say it. Yeah, no. And, and I think, I think that Jalen is, is that guy like Jalen is the guy that's going to put himself out there and, totally. and be more totally. honest about this. And, and I appreciate him for it. Like the, there, there are people who are going to sit there and say, Oh, well he's soft or I can't believe he's letting the media like th- that's, I appreciate this moment of honesty and, yeah. and look, if Jalen wanted to come on here and, and debate the, the, um, the, the media kind of influence and all of that stuff like that. I would love to have an extended conversation about that because I really don't know that NBA players know what the media really is that we're all lumped that the, you know, NBA central type Twitter accounts that just aggregate everything that I'm sure end up in his DMS, the people who snitch tag every damn thing that end up in his mentions, like p- people probably think that they're doing him a favor by tagging him in these things, you're crushing him with comments and flooding him with every negative thing. Like stop doing that. Um, but he also probably lumps me and you in with Colin Cowherd and, you know, skip Bayless and everybody that's out there in, and you know, the Gary Tangways of the world, the people who are putting on performance art that are, uh, that, that are saying these negative things just for a, a rise. And Danny Ainge even said that it's like, I hope they're not paying attention to the guys who are paid to have opinions. Now yeah. we have our opinions. We're here on a podcast. We share our opinions on a podcast. We write columns. I write columns all the time. So I have opinions too. And he may be reacting to some of the things I've even written or said, but I think that it's, it's, it, this is a good, a, a good conversation to have. And I love the way you put it about like about us, our stuff, because I see the negative things that people say on Twitter. I see the yeah. negative things that people say in the comment section. And like on a bad day, maybe I haven't gotten enough sleep and I sit there and somebody says something to me. I might actually take it to heart and be like, oh man, you didn't need to say that. Like, <laughs> really? Um, but I, I I think that this highlights the human side of it. That Jalen Brown, for all of the great athletic stuff, and, and maybe he filters out 99% of things that are said about him, but sometimes that 1% gets through. And in a season like this, where you don't have any buffers and, and you're kind of isolated, some I can see some guys taking that stuff to heart and, and it making things worse. Absolutely. And look, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we talk about this all the time. There's no interaction between the media and the players this year besides these fraught Zoom conversations. Yes. Like, it's brutal, man. And I, I look, no, no podcast listener wants to hear like media guys complain about how hard it is to be in media. Like, it's <laughs> right, right. It's not. It's, I promise it's not. But like, it does, that part of the job has been, has been a lot worse this season. And I think that it does um, have a lot of trickle down effects. Like, you know, I, I think that there is like a real disconnect um, on both sides. You know, I think that the players aren't necessarily like, like one of the things that I've, that I've noticed this year is that we can only react in like a big picture way, right? Like we can't get into some of the minutia and sort of like 
painting the picture of who these guys are and what they're going through this season and the right. little things here and there that affect it. We can't do any of that stuff. And so, yeah, I mean, every single game feels like a referendum on the season because all we can write are referendums on the season after every single game. Yep. So, I mean, yeah, everything's been ramped up this year. And then, you know, on, on and like, and that's on our side. And then on their side, we can't see what's going on behind the scenes. I mean, when you think about the last time that we talked to these guys, it was before they were about to travel to Milwaukee yeah. for that, like for that playoff series, like or for that, not, not playoff series for that regular season game. Yeah. Like, it has been a year now um, since like more than a year now That's since so we've wild. seen these guys in person. And yeah, I mean, sure. Like, you know, Jalen Brown, you know, like knows who you are. He knows who I am, but like, like we don't, you know, like we don't know each like we don't know each other well enough to know anybody's intentions. Like, right. so I don't know. I mean, th- that I think has been a real disconnect. And I mean, there's I'm sure there's a disconnect with with fans too. You know, I mean, like fans kind of expect you know like a certain level of like us knowing things about these guys personally <laughs> yeah. that we just can't right now. And I, I think that's been a disconnect as well. So it's, um, yeah, I think all of those, that confluence of factors, especially on a season where the Celtics have underwhelmed a little bit, I think it's real easy for things to kind of spiral um, in terms of like relationships between fans and media and players and kind of all around um, just based on, you know, based on the circumstances, I guess. Yeah. No, I, I wrote, I wrote something similar on Boston sports journal where I included that like, if if there's ever anything that I write that bothers a player, usually I'm in a practice or I'm in the locker room, and I've never actually had anybody come up to me and say anything. But doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It probably will at some point. You know, yeah. I'll have an opinion on Tatum and Brown's leadership, and if he can't, if he didn't like what I wrote, then he could come up to me and be like, "Hey, uh, you're way off on this," and then we could talk about it. And and I think that's that has value. Also. I would have a one-on-one conversation with them and ask them these questions directly. And, yes. and then he could be like, I, I'm not buying your premise. You know? Right. Honestly, it would never get to that point because what would happen is, I mean, especially for, you know, especially for you, cause you are like a very thorough, you know, column writer and everything. Like you would go up to him and ask him about his leadership before you wrote the column. Right. Like you exactly. wouldn't just like, it off the cuff and we can't do that now or if we do if we do ask them about it it's again it's in front of i mean good lord these like even even our scrums like a scrum question would be in front of like 15 other reporters right. now there's like 75 people on these zoom calls like it's it's crazy man like it's, it's it, it, is it, it is it is it is a very toxic um right. it's a very toxic way to to do sports journalism and everybody everybody is just a tiny bit more pissed off at the very least, yeah. you know, yeah. we are for be- not being able to do our jobs the way we want to. They are because they can't live their lives the way they want to. Yeah. The readers are because everybody's been in freaking quarantine all this time. Like the, the pissed off factor is, is, has gone up like two, three notches and that just makes all of this worse. So each yeah. loss gets more toxic. The reactions to each loss gets more toxic. The questions become a little bit more their reactions to the questions become a little bit more. And it, it, it is tough. Uh, I think, I think getting back to normal would be very beneficial for everybody. Yes. So, all right, Tom, appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Uh, you know, every once in a while, you know, if you want to have me on your podcast, it's, <laughs> I mean, I always have you over here. This, just saying like, Dude. <laughs> dude we've been slacking so hard we record like one episode a week these weeks like yeah but we we absolutely yeah we need to do this more often obviously so. it's the geno time podcast it's tom uh chris grenham's on there a lot 
Nicole Yang from the Globe. So it's a fun little party over there. Check them out. Uh, thanks, Tom. It's a fun little party of just doomers. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun to talk to Tom. Follow him on Twitter at Tom underscore NBA. Tom underscore NBA. His work is on Boston.com. His podcast is the Geno Time Podcast. Uh, check him out. He knows what he's talking about. Uh, it's going to be an interesting weekend. Celtics play the Timberwolves tonight, Friday night, and then Sunday, the Denver Nuggets, which is going to be a very interesting game on Sunday afternoon. I'll be covering both of these games on Sunday night when I drop the Monday podcast. It's a Monday through Friday podcast, so make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. You regular listeners, thank you for the subscription. Now, please rate it five stars and give it a good written review. This podcast is free for you, but I do it five days a week. And the only thing I ask for as payment is that rating and the review because that's how the advertisers, uh, that's how people find me. And the more people that listen, the more the advertisers pay me. That's how I get paid for my work. So please do that. I very much appreciate that you, those of you who have already done that and share the podcast. That's the big thing. And by the way, we're going to be on YouTube. So pretty soon, within the next week or so, YouTube versions of these podcasts, where if you if you prefer to watch, I will be on YouTube, and th- this will be the companion podcast. If you want to listen instead, it will be the same show, but if you want to see the video, if you want to watch it at home, you can do that as well. So thank you for listening. This has been the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Celtics the number one Boston Celtics podcast on the planet.